This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. Coming to you live from the Next Tech Wireless studio, this is In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. With myself, Jackson Schneider, and James Wessling joining us from the road today as uh, he heads south to avoid this cold weather, it would appear. But uh, lowest rates, flexible plans, and exceptional customer service and coverage everywhere you are. Say goodbye to being just a number and say hello to something different at Next Tech Wireless. James, how's the road? So far, so good. I can't remember the last Friday that I was actually with you in studio, and <laughs> it'll continue the next couple of Fridays because uh, the next couple of weeks I'll be flying somewhere, hopefully, um, rather than a long drive. So looking forward to being back in the studio with you uh, sometime next week. It seems like I've hardly seen you at all this week. You've been gone so much. I've just had to hang out by myself um, all week long. Well, the other problem is I've had my door shut a lot because anytime I'm on any type of a Zoom call, I shut the door. And yesterday, even though I had my door shut, somebody in the building, and I know it wasn't you, they were beating on my door. And I couldn't answer because I was right in the middle of a a call where my mic was hot. And uh, I just kind of hoped that they would go away. And eventually they did. But... (laughs) <laughs> I appreciate the fact that, you know, at least when my door's closed, you recognize that I'm doing something and that it's closed for a reason. So shout out to you um, because you definitely got the message. But, yeah, it's been a lot, of, a lot of Zoom calls, production meetings, and coach interviews and things like that. And uh, usually we go the full 40 minutes that the free version of Zoom allows. So it's kind of piled up on me this week. Well, it's all good. It's given me time to do some reading and just kind of hang out because I've actually had a bit of a lighter week. It's the first week that I haven't had a uh, college or a uh, high school football broadcast to worry about. So I've been kind of hanging out and, and finding some interesting notes because the World Cup starts on Sunday, James. And I know I know you're not a huge soccer guy, but to me, like if there's ever a time to watch soccer and kind of get into it just a little bit, it's the World Cup. But this World Cup is a little bit different for a couple different reasons, but the main one being the re- like the host. It's it's in Qatar, which is funny enough because it's a very small country. The the country of Qatar has a smaller population than the state of Kansas, and yet it's going to welcome in like millions of people from literally all over the world for these soccer matches starting on Sunday. But there's a lot of shady dealings within FIFA that have kind of led to Qatar hosting this World Cup, James. And it sounds like it's not stopping anytime soon. And I wanted to bring this nugget to you because I know you appreciate a good sports wager every once in a while. But not only is uh, Qatar allegedly bribing, has had allegedly already bribed FIFA to host the uh, World Cup, but apparently Qatar has now bribed eight different Ecuadorian players, or at least attempted to. They tried to bribe them each $7.4 million each to lose the opening match on Sunday morning 1-0 with a goal in the second half, but... 
Five Qatari and Ecuador insiders confirmed this to a uh, an Arabian uh, reporter who's very reputable. But uh, World Cup hasn't even started, and it would appear that the shady dealings of Qatar have already tried to rig the sports betting side of things in the biggest sporting event of the world. See, I don't like that. That bothers me. And at first I thought it was pretty cool that uh, a country smaller than Kansas gets to host the World Cup because, I mean, that just doesn't happen. And that's something that that country can talk about for generations. But my concern with all this legalized sports betting is, and I guess whether it's legal or not doesn't really stop anybody, is all the, 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 the access to the players. And, you know, in all sports, and it doesn't shock me that it started with the World Cup because, as you touched on, there have been shady dealings with FIBA or FIFA for years. But, you know, when, when, how do we know that professional athletes, or even more so collegiate athletes, which just at that stage in their life are more easily influenced, you know, what, what's stopping these big-time I wouldn't call them bookies, but sports bettors, sharp money is the, the official term for high-dollar wagers, from, you know, access to collegiate athletes and have them, you know, swinging games in their favorites, just like that documentary on Netflix about the Arizona State basketball team. And, yeah, they were the one that got caught, and they made some terrible decisions, but, you know, we don't know that this stuff isn't happening all over in, in one way or another. So the fact that these guys got caught hopefully is good because hopefully it'll slow down it, even the thought of, of other people doing things like it. Well, I don't I don't think that this will actually end up happening because the news broke, and it would be pretty suspicious if things actually ended up happening that way for this match with that getting leaked right. out there. But uh, just to be safe, just to be on the safe side of things, I went ahead, ahead and placed a small wager on the under for that first match on Sunday morning. So... Uh, Trying to be proactive, at least a little bit. But um, the World Cup, again, starting on Sunday. The World Cup for the United States begins on Monday afternoon. So, James, you can catch me in my little corner office watching soccer probably most of Monday afternoon. I'm just going to warn you in advance. Now, do they play every day next week, or what's the World Cup schedule? Yeah, it's it's going to be basically daily for the next three weeks. Maybe a little okay. longer. There's 64 total matches, um, but I'm not entirely sure the amount of days that it takes to do it. But it's, I know it's a several-week-long event because it starts with the group stage where everybody plays, I think, three or four matches. And then uh, they cut it down to the top two teams from each group gets into the, the final 16, and that's where it, it's the uh, playoff bracket. And, uh, I mean, the World Cup is unique because it's probably, you know, obviously it's the sport that is played the most worldwide. And so it's definitely the sport that has the most parity, I would say, worldwide. I mean, you can never do this for basketball or football or baseball or volleyball or any other sport that's pretty prominent here in the United States. So for that reason alone, I'll follow the U.S. team, see how they do. But outside of that, I, I struggle, as you noted, uh, to get into soccer. 
Well, ho- I'm hoping this is is what does it because I've I-, I knew this was coming, and over the last like month or so, I've really gotten invested in trying to like learn about it and pay attention to it more because I I understand that it's a growing game and it is fascinating because it's so different because in the United States it's kind of a minor you know a second tier sport and it's it's something that I just wanted to learn about and with the World Cup coming I figured why not. You know, because everybody else in the world is going to be paying attention to it. So I, I had to bring a little bit of soccer talk into our show because it, it might start popping up a little bit over the next few weeks. But James, uh, other than that, the rest of our show is pretty standard. We didn't have one yesterday because uh, we had the K-State basketball doubleheader on. But we'll have uh, Brian Haney on here in just a little bit. And we'll also have some high school football with, with uh, Mitch Gebhardt the head football coach of Southeast of Saline, They are in the state semifinals tonight. And uh, I think they're just one of a, a, hand, a small handful of local schools that are still playing. Um, I didn't realize this, but uh, there are four teams in McPherson County still playing right now. And that's the most, I think, of any county across the state of Kansas. So plenty plenty of local schools still playing, plus southeast of Saline, which I thought was an, a neat note for our local listeners. No, it definitely is. In southeast of Saline, they have so much tradition and, and success over the years, and it'll be fun to see how they do uh, coming up the, the rest of the way. But this is an exciting time because you get into playoff season for high school, you get into the final couple of weeks of the regular season for college, and the NFL is really in the thick of things with, uh, I, I, I would say it's probably too early for the playoff picture to really start clearing up, but you definitely start to get a pretty good idea of the teams that are at least going to be in the mix, and then you have college basketball, and today's one of those days, it's, it's I don't know if it's official, but I would say the feast week has already started with uh, games starting as early as, I think, noon today. There was a, a game that was tipping off. So, uh, yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's been a really fun day, and it's going to be a fun week or so. There were there were games at 4 a.m. today, James. There was a handful of, uh, right, small so they, handful playing in Ireland overseas. So, there was a, the first game was at 4 a.m., and then there was one at 10 a.m. And, yeah, basically all day long, Feast Week has been going. So, you know I've had that in the background in the office. That's for sure. Yeah, Central Arkansas had one of those early tips. They played Niagara. I know they were down late by a basket or two, and I, I turned away. I don't know if they ended up winning the game, but I begged and pleaded for them to let me go to Ireland, but ESPN, <laughs> shocking, is doing all that stuff remote from over here in the States. Yeah, probably a pretty expensive ticket to get over there to uh, broadcast games in Dublin, Ireland, but that would be pretty sweet. Um, one thing I do like about Feast Week, and I think it's so funny, is they have all these games and all these fun locations, but a lot of the, the gyms that they play in are just like hotel ballrooms. And I think it's hilarious. They go from like some big arenas or, or huge venues like Allen Fieldhouse, and all of a sudden you're playing at like the Mohegan Sun Ballroom down in the Bahamas or something like that. And no wonder teams don't score as much or shoot the ball as well. No, and that's what makes it so awesome. And I've actually called games now. I, I was remote because it was during COVID, but I had games uh, at the Mohegan Sun that were part of uh, the Bubbleville coverage, if you remember that, a couple yep. years ago. And then uh, 
I actually, in 2019, went and did one of these MTE tournaments in the Bahamas, and they played at a gym that is about half the size of Salinas South's gym, you know, or, or Central. And uh, there were only maybe like 500 fans for each of those games, most of them from the island. Uh, but it, it got really loud, and it was a really electric atmosphere. And it was, it was really cool. Um, so if you ever get a chance to take in a venue like that in person, um, I highly recommend it. I'll keep that. Uh, in mind, because it's a bucket list item for me to go to something like that, or to the Maui Invitational, some some cool tournament like that. It's a it's a bucket list kind of thing for me. But uh, James, we got to get to a break. When we come back, we'll talk to Mitch Gebhart, and then of course Brian Haney after that. But thanks for joining us just for a little bit over the uh, phone. We appreciate you checking in. Drive safe. All right. All right, man. Sounds good. Awesome stuff. That's James Westling. I'm Jackson Schneider. We'll be back with more on In the Zone right after this here on 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. Welcome back to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL, 106.7 as well on the FM dial as we continue our high school football conversations just for one more week and hopefully another one after that because I'm joined by Mitch Gebhardt, the head football coach of the Southeast of Saline Trojans, and they have made it to the state semifinal round and they'll square off with the Kingman Eagles coming up later uh, later in the week. And Coach uh, Tell me about last week. I, I know you, you were going to get tested against the Hoisington Cardinals, but I don't think I expected your team to win as commandingly as they did. You know, they got a good football team, uh, no question about it. And, uh, you know, I thought we set the tone early early in the game. Uh, they run the football real well, and uh, they had a fourth and two or so, and uh, we got to stop and got the ball back and went down and scored. and. You know, I thought things were going well there, and then they uh, they took a drive back on us, and and uh, you know it was eight to seven midway through the through the first quarter there, and uh, we had another drive at the end of the first quarter, so we were up fourteen uh, seven. Um, you know, did a good job there in the the second quarter and twenty two seven at halftime, and then scored sixteen in the third quarter. So, uh, you know, I, I thought it, I thought our I thought our defense played well. Um, you know, we we did give up twenty one points, but I thought our defense did a good job of of uh, making them do some things they didn't want to do. And, uh, you know, I think our, our I think our uh, offense moved the ball pretty well. Well, it's the second consecutive year now that your group has made it to this point in the season. What is it that's led to this lengthy of a season for a second straight year? You and I have talked in the past about the work that they've put in in the off season, but it seems like you're putting in plenty of work during the year as well to get to this point. You know, and I think our our kids are just committed to to continue to get better every week. Uh, you know, and 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 they do they just work at it and and they continue to work and you know that starts early in June with them, and uh, they continue to try to get better and uh, you know whether it's in the weight room or out on the practice field or during the game or however it is and you know I think that's a huge thing. But th- it takes a lot of a lot of different things to for that to play in. You know parents being supportive and school being supportive and uh, the coaching staff doing a good job of getting, getting kids in the right places and kids making plays during the games. I mean, there's, there's so many different things that, that lead up to that. But, uh, you know, I think, I think the commitment of our kids is such a big deal. Well, certainly it's, it's paid dividends this season again with your team being in the state semifinal round and being 11 and 0 on the season coach looking at Kingman, 
they're another team that's playing extremely f- good football right now. They are also undefeated. What challenges will they present to you on Friday night? You know, and, and they played in the semifinals last year also. And, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're a very seasoned football team. So uh, they, they kind of expected to be here, I think. And, uh, you know, so they're, they're, they're ready to, they'll be ready to go without a doubt. Uh, uh, they do a lot of things. Well, uh, they throw the football. Well, they, they run the football well on offense and, uh, defensively, they're very fundamentally sound. So, uh, you know, they they do. Uh, there's a reason they're 11 and 0. They played some played some good teams, and there's a reason they're 11 and 0. And uh, we're going to play off a well on Friday to 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 get one. Well, looking at your group, who are some of the players here over the last couple of weeks in the playoffs that uh, have really stood out stood out to you? I know you've got a number of kids that have made plays all year long, but is there anyone who maybe stands above all else here since you you've gotten to the postseason? You know, I think our I think our inside linebackers have, have done an outstanding job, and you know they've been good all season. But I think the last couple games they've they've really played well. Caden Isaacson and Mac Chambers have done an outstanding job uh, of uh, of just having good command of what's going on on the defense and making sure people are in the right places and then making plays when they need to. Um, I, I can't remember for sure exactly how many tackles they combined for, but it was in the 30s, I believe, the last game, uh, upper 20s anyway. So I uh, did a good job, but I think our D-line has done a good job too. They didn't have a lot of tackles last game, but they sure did eat up a lot of blocks so that those guys could make tackles. So, you know, I think those two groups are, are, are playing playing at a very high level. And obviously, you know, we put up a lot of yards last week and, and been put up points, so I feel like uh, we've got some kids on offense that are doing a good job. Michael Murray had a really good game. Uh, last game, and uh, you know, I think I think Jake Gebhardt had a good game last game. But uh, all that starts also with the with the line up front. Those guys are are blocking for runs, and they're blocking for 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 uh, so Luke can throw the ball to those receivers and things like that. So, you know, I, I feel like we've got several kids that have done a good job uh, the last several weeks. There's only 36 teams left playing here at this stage in the season and I'm sure it it takes a lot to get to this point for for any classification but for your bunch to to do it two separate seasons in a row I I don't feel like it's been publicized enough the achievements of this group can we talk a little bit about the the program that you've built not just the the success this year but the sustained success that you have had and and what it takes going into developing that all the way down to maybe even heck the middle school level what what goes into building a program this consistent on a daily basis, how do you continue to develop kids to get them to be bought in for this long and, and for, you know, to be playing deep into the season for consecutive years? Sure. And I think it, it starts with the community. I mean, I, I think Southeast got a great community. Um, you know, they, they really like football and, uh, you know, they support most of the things that we do. So, you know, I think that's, that's, it starts with that, <clears throat> you know, parents getting kids to the weight room when they're in sixth grade, they can't drive. You know, I think that's that's a that's a that's a big deal. Um, you know, and, and and kids taking care of each other. Um, you know, I I, I think uh, I think that's a that's a big deal too. You know, getting somebody a ride so that they get into the weight room or get to get to a practice or or get home from practice or wherever that is. But uh, you know, all this is community stuff. Uh, you know, and we got we got good hardworking kids, and and uh, you know, I think I think my coaching staff is 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 uh, very very good also. Uh, I think we get kids in the in the right spots at the right time and. And then those kids get to get to go make plays for us. So, I mean, I think there's so many things that go into into uh, getting you know winning this many games and and doing things well and those type of things. It's just it's just. Uh, but but I think it starts with the community. Just just good community support and and uh, you know uh, good school support. 
Well, over the last few weeks, you've gotten great community support playing on your home field for the most part. I mean, I know you played at Wesley in one game, but that to me, it still counts as a home game, essentially. You're not too sure. far down the road. But this time, you will make a road trip down to Kingman. And I, I know you've got great bunches of parents and fans that will make that trip with you down south. But what's maybe the biggest challenge of playing on the road this late in the season, especially after having consecutive home games? You know, and and, and I, I I'm a little excited about it. I mean, I, I I would much rather play at home all all every game that we ever play because because of the community and, and those type of things. But uh, uh, you know, we, we haven't been on the road for a while, and it's uh, it's all right to, to jump on a bus and, and go somewhere else and play. Um, you know, I, we haven't got to play at Kingman before, so uh, we're going to get to go down there and, and see what their their facilities are like and those type of things. So uh, you know, it, it's uh, we we've been on the road. Uh, different times this year. Matter of fact, we had a three-game stretch in a row early on the year that uh, we're on the road for all three of those weeks. So, uh, you know, it, it, we obviously would like to play at home just because we we like to be here and things are we're used to everything here. But uh, uh, that's not that's not what we get to do. So uh, we're gonna load the bus and give it our best there at Kingman. I know I'm, you're probably going to hate me for asking this question because you are focused on Kingman. I know your group is focused on Kingman, but with the state championship game looming, one win away you could potentially be playing another home game because the 2A state championship is here in Salina as well. Has that been something that's crossed your mind a little bit? You know, it'd be really nice to, to be able to do that. You know, uh, it, it, that's what, that's what everybody in the state, I assume when they start football season, that's, that's what they want to do. It, it is really cool. That's in Salina short, short bus trip for us. I mean, it's not, not long um, for us to get in there, but uh, uh, we, we take things one week at a time and, and we do have, Kingman this week, and we want to go one and zero this week, so that uh, we have the opportunity to practice again next week, and and uh, hopefully go one and zero that week also. But uh, we got to focus on Kingman this week. Are are you a superstitious guy? Hell yeah, I'd say yes, I am. Okay, I see. Definitely. I was wondering because you sent me the message on Saturday, sent me a picture of your breakfast, and we <laughs> haven't had our, our morning coaches show in a couple of weeks now, but it seems like. You you like going there for for breakfast to the Burger Theory just because it's it's working right. You keep winning, you got to keep going yeah, to yeah. grab breakfast. Yeah, I like to I like to keep doing routine more maybe more routine and superstitious, but I do have some superstitions also. But more routine than, than anything. But uh, you know that's that's what I did for the first nine weeks of our season. So the last two two weeks I have gotten up and uh, eaten breakfast there at the Burger Theory and and uh, you know it's a dang good breakfast. So so why not continue doing that? It, it seems to be working. Absolutely. It is a great breakfast. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, I'll surprise you Saturday morning and, and meet you down there if you guys pull out the win. But, Coach, before I, I let there you go, go. Uh, got to ask, the biggest keys to getting a win here on Friday night are what? You know, I, I think the, it's going to be cold, so we got to make sure we take care of the football. Uh, if we can get first downs, and, and they have a high-powered offense, if we can get first downs and then score some touchdowns on offense. But uh, we got we got to make sure we take care of the football and don't give them short fields. Uh, we got to play fundamentally sound on defense. I mean, that's that's such a key against a, <clears throat> a team that has so many weapons, as many weapons as they do. And then, I, you know, if this time of year, special teams can be a big deal. Um, I feel like our special teams have gotten better all year, but uh, we're going to have to play well there also. All right. Well, Coach Gebhardt, thank you, as always, for taking the time to speak with us, and I appreciate it, and, and good luck, and hopefully we get to do this again next week. You bet. Uh, I hope we get to. 
All right, Mitch Gebhardt, head football coach of the Southeast of Saline Trojans. They will take on Kingman Friday night down on the road in Kingman. We'll keep you updated on those results and uh, be back with more on In the Zone here in just a bit. You're listening to 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. Sports Radio, 1150 KSAL. Jackson Schneider here, joined now by the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney, who joins us each week on the show, thanks to Nimnik True Value Hardware in Ellsworth. But Brian, you got a trip out out to uh, Indianapolis the other day, and it wasn't just to uh, take in the sights either. You got to see some pretty darn good basketball and come away with a win. Sounds like it was a fun trip. We had a great time, my friend. We sure did. It was uh, a blast to see the way they closed out that game. A 15-5 to run in the last four and a half minutes where Grady Dick came alive with seven consecutive points for Kansas. And it's not that he'd struggled before that. He just kind of blended into the background. It wasn't his same assertive attacking self that we saw early in the game when he had a couple of acrobatic driving finishes. So to see the way he got the lid off the hoop for Kansas, who prior to his seven straight had experienced a five-minute scoring drought man that, that's exactly what you want to see your mcdonald's all-american high school national player of the year do on a setting like that a stage with all the other you know top 10 top 20 recruits that duke brought in to see him shine like that in crunch time was huge and then career days out of Jalen and kj and scoring a career day for dewan harris with 10 assists it was a total team effort and uh to see the way they flipped that switch and, and when it mattered most, played their best ball on both ends of the floor was really, really exciting. And I know Coach Self, who was in Indy, but watching from a separate hotel and all that, he was so proud you know, to see the way they closed out that game. And definitely one that for a while there it was trending the wrong way and it looked like Duke's length and size was going to be too much for us. But in the end, you know, Kansas wanted it more and they talked about how speed could, you know, outweigh the the length differential since Duke had four seven-footers and Kansas's attacking and and assertiveness when they get out and go and push tempo and 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 get some you know opportunities off of their speed and their burst I think was was critical for the Jayhawks there because once they went into attack mode this young Duke team looked like they got popped in the mouth and, and didn't know what hit them and that certainly you know plays out in a 15 to 5 run a 10 point swing in the last four and a half minutes well a big part of that game throughout the entire course of it was Jalen Wilson what do you have 25 points and 11 rebounds something crazy just to kind of be the steadying force when there wasn't some things or when everything wasn't going right Jalen Wilson was going right for Kansas he was spectacular Brian and it seems like that that's just who Jalen is now he's stepping into a much bigger role and seems to be taking it in stride yeah, he, he did a great job, I thought, in so many ways. The one area that he wanted to show all the NBA scouts that he was much improved in did not come to the fruition and the surface for Jalen the other night. He uh, was 0 for 7 from 3. But where you see the maturity and you see a guy that's blossomed into a great pro prospect, 
he didn't allow that to affect other aspects of his game. He goes out and gets the double-double, gets the career high, finds other ways to score on driving finishes and tip-ins that have become synonymous with his career. Now you want to see that jump shot that has improved significantly in the offseason. You want to see it more consistently you know, coming through. He, he said he wants to shoot 40% or above from three after shooting 26% a year ago. And so while you're disappointed for him that with all those scouts watching – the jumper wasn't there, at least from three, you're excited that he didn't allow that to make it a lost night altogether. He found other ways to be the same impactful guy we needed him to be. And it was actually on that same floor in that same arena two years earlier when he set the first of, of four 23-point nights, a career-high number he could never seem to get over until he went back to the same arena and bested it by two points. So really proud of him, his perseverance, and There'll be other nights this season, mark my words, where he goes for well above 30 because the three-pointers are hitting. And, uh, and I expect that not to be a regularity, but to be something you see with multiple occurrences where he's north of 30 because he has that type of impact on this particular roster. And there'll be nights when they need it. I think the staggering number was not the points he finished with, but the shots that he took to get there. I believe just the third player in the Bill Selfie era to take 26-plus shots. But uh, really impressive to see, you know, the, the caliber of play he gave down the stretch to lift Kansas to this win. Brian, can we can we talk about Norm Roberts for a minute? Because I feel like he deserves a ton of credit as well, because it's not easy to go into a game of that magnitude and step into a coaching role and have to lead this Kansas team to a win. And he he seemingly, you know, hit on all cylinders and helped make the adjustments needed without Bill Self there. He did a fantastic job, and I don't feel like people have acknowledged that enough. Yeah, I thought he was great as well. And one area that we talked about, what's it going to look like without Coach Self, is the fact that you know you don't have him for the in-game adjustments and the, the timeouts where he draws up that perfect play to get you a high-percentage hoop. But whatever Norm said in the timeout inside of five minutes when we went on a 15-5 run, clearly was Bill Self-like in its effectiveness because we played our best ball after that. So you're right. He deserves a ton of credit. Really, really pleased with how this has gone, this, this stretch of games without Coach. And, and thankfully, we've only got one more game on the suspension, and he'll be back. But, um, yeah, give Norm a ton of credit. These will go down as program wins, not wins on his tab. But Greg Gurley likes to joke that unofficially – Norm will always be able to say if he wins on Friday that he had the greatest winning percentage of any Kansas coach. And uh, not that he's the type of guy that would ever boast or brag about that, but that is pretty special to see a job well done if he can hand the reins back at 4-0 and to Bill Self. As you mentioned, one more game without Coach Self, and that's tomorrow night against Southern Utah, which – for all intents and purposes, might just be a final tune-up before that battle for Atlantis in the competitive field that awaits you down in the Bahamas. But what's maybe one or two things that this Jayhawk team needs to work on in this game against Southern Utah tomorrow night, Brian? Well, we'll be interested to see, and we'll find out later today, uh, the status of Zach Clements and MJ Rice. Are those guys coming back? Uh, will they be closer to hold? Because MJ's going to play a sizable role on this team and, and there's still hope that Zach can too but ball screen defense I think is what Norm Roberts would tell you is number one that they got to get short up beyond that you just want to see him shoot it better I mean there were moments the other night and maybe some of it was Duke's length but this is a team that clearly lost two great three-point shooters 
in Ochai and Christian Brown, you want to prove that you can still be a potent team from the outside. And we didn't look a part of that on Tuesday. So hopefully those will be two areas where you see Kansas significantly improved. Well, Brian, let's uh, switch gears here quickly because I know you're on the run to go take care of all the many things that you do as voice of the Jayhawks. But let's switch to some football talk here really quickly. But the biggest question heading into this Texas game on Saturday is the quarterback situation. Do you think maybe we'll get to see Jalen Wilson? Jalen Wilson, I can't even talk. Jalen Daniels (laughs) or uh, Jason Bean or, or maybe even Ethan Vasco. Who's going to play quarterback for Kansas on Saturday? Well, the latest update we got last night from Coach Leipold is that all three have taken snaps this week at practice, and it's going to come down to a game day decision. He even went as far as saying game time decision. I have a feeling they'll know their guy heading into Saturday, but uh, the fact that you know you're seeing all three mix in there certainly is going to keep Texas guessing. The reason why is Jason Bean's taken a shot to the midsection in, in the fourth quarter in each of the last two weeks, and that had him limited limited at the start of this week. And so uh, while everybody's been talking about when does Jalen Daniels come back, and that's been the top story for the last six weeks, um, this murkiness of the QB situation has a lot to do with Jason Bean's status too because there was some thought that perhaps once Jalen was healthy, if Jason was still playing really well, that maybe you'd see both. And obviously Jason had some struggles last week in Lubbock that might change that plan a little bit. I think, obviously, if Jalen is completely healthy, it's going to be his show. After all, he's the one that led Kansas to the 5-0 start. But Jason Bean has proved enough in in the time that he's been filling in that he can be a very capable weapon as well that will certainly give opponent defensive coordinators something to think about in scheming for Kansas when you've got two guys to game plan for. So, I think uh, you know there's, there's certainly a good chance it could be Jalen Daniels this week. He's been doing a lot of football activities for three weeks now. Question has been, what would the stability of the shoulder look like first time he gets hit? And the question remains, what will he look as a player like when he's out there for the first time since week six of this season when it comes to fighting for that extra yard? slithering between the tacklers to, to make those great plays with his feet that were the biggest reason why the Kansas offense was so tough to stop. It wasn't just the great throws he made, but the fact that he was equally effective with his feet. And while he doesn't have the sprinter speed that Bean has, he was maybe a better inside runner than anybody we, we've seen in college football on the Kansas schedule this year. Jalen Daniels is because he's just so good at at, at navigating would-be tacklers and and finding his way through them, around them, by them. And is he going to be that same guy, or will they be more tentative with him? Will he be hesitant himself? What happens the first time he gets popped in the shoulder? Does he bounce back quickly and pop right up, or or is, is he favoring it a bit? I just don't know. But they wouldn't put him out there unless it was structurally sound and, and able to take contact. You just don't know psychologically between the ears how, if any, that will affect him on being the same dynamic dual-threat guy he was before the injury. But I, I do think if he is able to go, he gets the lion's share. But I would not be surprised if, if they do some things to, to keep both of their top two guys involved and engaged. And that just makes life even tougher for the opposition when they're both as capable as Bean and Daniels are. Well, it's senior day on Saturday, Brian, and 
I was looking on social media and I saw a list posted of the senior day participants for Kansas on Saturday. And it's actually a very short list, a surprisingly short list. There's a handful of key contributors that are, are listed as as seniors, or but they, they have the option to use an extra year of eligibility. And it looks like a good chunk of them may be doing that if they're not participating in the senior day activities. So what does that say maybe about the future of this Jayhawk team, even though this has been such a successful year? What does the future maybe hold if they can bring some of these guys back? Well, it's definitely exciting to see only 11 names on that list and specifically the absence of some huge names that could have been on that list. However, they want us to, to not make assumptions that that just for sure means that these guys are going to utilize the COVID year and be back. But it's definitely very favorable that, that you could get a lot of these guys for an additional season. And I don't, I don't want to name names. Fans can connect the dots on their own because, again, um, I've been told to be careful because while these guys are leaving the door open to return, you never know. I mean, some of them could decide to go pro. Uh, you never know if they find a different fit outside of here. But you'd like to think in the culture that Kansas has built – and the fact that they're going to be a part of a month of December with a bowl run and all of that, that this is a group that sat out senior day festivities because they intend to come back and go for back-to-back bowls next season. And so if that's the case, I mean, there's five or six starter caliber and potentially star caliber players that, that could come back for an extra year thanks to COVID. And that's just something we're going to be dealing with for the next two or three years here until everybody that was a part of, of the COVID recruiting class is completely through their eligibility. The fact that you'll get to November or in basketball's case, you know, you get through March and, and you'll be like, wait a minute, this guy didn't have a senior day speech. Maybe he's going to take that additional year. And uh, it's, it's a great opportunity that the special circumstances of the pandemic has afforded these guys. And, you know, if, if a guy like Mike Nevisi comes back, just to name one name, that's a potential one. That would be three years of him at Kansas, and we didn't count on that when he first came here, so that's really exciting. But, uh, again, you can, you can add him up on your own. They don't want us to make any proclamations just yet, but I thought what you thought for sure, Jackson, when they handed us that list on Monday, and I thought, wait a minute, there's only 11 names on here, and I don't see this guy, this guy, that guy. This could be a good thing. So let's, let's cross our fingers but not hold our breath and, and hope that that means Kansas is a very experienced and much more loaded team heading into next season. Absolutely. I think I'm the eternal optimist there, thinking that there's going to be some names we get to see at least for one more year at Kansas. But uh, before we get to that, though, we have to wrap up our, our discussion, Brian, with the game on Saturday. Texas coming to town. You know, we're going to get their best shot if, as the Jayhawks because of the win last season. You know that's still fresh in their minds. What does Kansas have to do to make it back-to-back wins over Texas here on Saturday? Well, it's going to be a huge key, obviously, defensively to try to do what TCU did a week ago and bottle up B. John Robinson. He is such a talented player. Uh, I know he's ninth in the country in, in yards per game, but to me, there have been Saturdays where he looks like he's as good as any running back in America. And so you have to find a way. And I don't expect Devin Neal's back-to-back games of 190 yards on the ground to continue, but he did torch them for four touchdowns a year ago. And They'll certainly be keyed on him for sure. But Devin Neal just did something that we haven't seen at Kansas in terms of back-to-back 190-plus-yard games since June Henley. 
uh, going all the way back to when I was in high school and you weren't even born yet, 1996. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty wild to think about. But, uh, you know, you love to have more success on the ground because that's going to make life easier for whoever the quarterback is. We talk every week about getting off to faster starts, and some weeks we do and we win. And the, typically the weeks when we haven't, we've lost. And so you want to hit them in the mouth out the gate and, and, you know, be playing from out in front if you can because digging these 24-7 and 28-3 holes that we've seen in Lubbock and Waco, though the Hawks have clawed back to make it close, it's, it's usually been too little too late and not quite enough in the end. And uh, we, we need to start faster for sure. But they've got so many talented defensive players that I, I think that the O-line, who's been a great storyline for Kansas this season, they need to have one of their best games, not just in run blocking for Devin, but in pass protection for whoever the quarterback is because the ball's going to have to come out quick. Otherwise, uh, they're going to be tested. And they may have only given up you know, six or so sacks on the season, but Texas is going to bring the heat, especially if they think that there's a, you know, a, a little bit of a first game back type shake out the cobwebs, a little bit rusty situation going on with Jalen Daniels. They're going to try to turn up the pressure. Or if they if Jason Bean's back there and they think he's not 100% healthy, they're going to want to rattle his cage too. So I think the pass protection and time for our quarterbacks, as well as quick reads by the QBs to get the ball out fast, is going to be paramount against a really impressive defensive front of UT that definitely wants to be disruptive in the outcome of this game on Saturday. Awesome stuff. Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, joins us each week here on In the Zone. Brian, uh, always brought to us by Nimnik True Value Hardware in Ellsworth. Uh, any special deals as the uh, holidays continue to creep closer and closer? Yeah, the last couple of weeks I've been telling you about the uh, – the Christmas lights in, in four different colors they have over there, and, and they've got great specials and pricing. If you're starting to be Clark W. Griswold and get out there and make your house shine for the holiday season, those specials continue, but they've got other ways to, to get ready for the Thanksgiving dinner and, and uh, stuff around the house to, to get your holiday home festive and, and looking good. So stop on by. Tell Sean Nimnick you heard this on, on Jackson Snyder's show with James Wessling, and he'll tell you this week's deals. But those specials for a holiday decor have been going on since November the 1st, and they'll continue to the end of the month. But I know they've got new stuff, too. So check them out today. And that's just down the road in Ellsworth, Nimnik True Value Hardware, proud sponsor of these Jayhawk reports. Awesome, awesome stuff. As always, Brian, thank you. I appreciate the time, and uh, good, good luck with the call on Friday and on Saturday. We'll talk to you again soon. Looking forward to it, buddy. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, joins us each week here on In the Zone on 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. That's going to wrap up our show for today, and that'll do it for us for the weekend. So we will be back on Monday at 515 here, same time, same place, on In the Zone here on 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM.